We're going to continue on in the book of Revelation, and if you will, turn with me to Revelation chapter 11. We are going to read uh, through verse 14 there. About, you know, the, the shift here in Revelation has been from the things that are happening in heaven and then to how God pours out His judgment on the earth in response to what has happened to the saints on earth. Uh, he pours out His wrath on, on those who dwell on the earth. He doesn't mean all peoples. He's talking about uh, the sinful, godless world. God pours out His wrath in response to what's happening to the saints. And uh, we, we saw the saints crying out from under the altar to God in their modernism. And, and now the, the focus has shifted on what's happening to the saints in this period. You know, some people look at Revelation as a progression from one, from one thing to the next, as, as if there's some sort of timetable here. I don't think there's a clear timetable here of what's happening with these events. I think what we're getting is images of what's happening during this time. Um, and, and they're all happening sort of at the same time, but they're getting more and more specific. Let's look at this group over here and see what's happening to them. Let's look at this group over here and see what's happening to them. That's what's happening here in the book of Revelation. And now the focus is on what's happening to the church during this time, the church that, that is on earth. And so it, 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 there's kind of a shift here of what's happening. Well, let's look at this. Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. It says, Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the outside, the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations. And they will trample the holy city for forty-two months. And I will grant authority to my, witness, my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for one thousand two hundred sixty days clothed in sackcloth. <clears throat> There, um, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouths and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky and that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague, as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some of the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and, re and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because the two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they, then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at the hour there was a great earthquake, a tenth of the city fell, seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified 
and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask, God, that you would bless the reading and the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. We have a, a fear, I think, in a lot of people to speak out for Jesus Christ. Even in our own country, um, where, where there's very little persecution, and, and most people would welcome uh, the idea of, 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 of talk of Christianity. Um, it, it's becoming increasingly difficult to do that because uh, we have, you know, the, the government is, um, and, and others uh, culturally are um, continually pushing Christians out of the um, public square. And sometimes um, Christians are being. Uh, lumped in with, with a political party or a political view. And some of that's our own fault. Some of it's, you know, just, just the way that, that we're being portrayed in the media. Um, you know, the Christians uh, should be, um, uh, as, as far as uh, their loyalty, should be above party. I mean, I, I personally support one party, and maybe some of you personally support one party. Um, but I'm talking about, you know, in, in general, as Christian believers, you know, our loyalty is, is to God and Jesus Christ, and our loyalty ultimately is to His kingdom. And while I'm grateful for the freedom my country gives me, I'm even more grateful for the spiritual freedom and eternal life that Christ gives, which far outweighs all of that. But we have a, a fear of speaking out for Christ because of opposition sometimes, and sometimes we, we even just want to belong to, to the club, and, 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 and we, we don't uh, want to be rejected because we speak out for Christ. But Christ has always been countercultural. And, and, and the truth of Christ has always been countercultural. Because uh, the, 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 the culture um, is, is full of human beings who have um, the, the corruption of Adam still in them. And, 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 and they reject anything that, that, that has to do with God or, or, or with Christ. It's their natural instincts to disobey and, and, and to reject God's word and, 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 and to live for themselves and go out and, and be able to do their own thing and not have to listen. And, and uh, they, they're focused on pleasing self and, and, and they're focused on their own self-interests. And, and, and we're seeing what self-interest is doing right now. The, 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 the worst thing, uh, the slippery slope that begins with self-interest um, the end of that slippery slope is always violence and war. Uh, th those are the worst things in, in human culture, uh, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's, it, it, it's a failure uh, to hold on to God in Christ. And so we, we need to, be as Christian believers, if we really believe that we hold to the truth of Christ, and, and, and we, we believe that everything is summed up in Christ, that He is over all things and all things are moving towards Him and, and, and to some great end, then, then we need to proclaim Him all the more in the present and, and, and show, show people the way of, of Christ's love and, and of Christ's peace that He gives. But the corruption of, of humanity goes on and we're seeing the clash of the co corruption of humanity here in chapter 11 of Revelation. Here, here at the end, uh, where, where um, Christ is, des is describing uh, to the, the Apostle John the things that are going to happen here at the end, he, he's showing them, you know, 
here is the crux of this cultural opposition to the truth of God and, and of Christianity. Here it is in full display. Now it talks about, first of all, God is measuring, or, or, the, or the, he's, he's telling the, um, uh, John to uh, measure the temple of God. And I, I, I think the temple of God here, some people will take this to, to be literal, that there's going to be an end times temple of God. I don't, I don't think that's true at all. In the New Testament, the temple of God is us. <laughs> the people of God who have believed in Him and given their hearts and minds to Him. I believe this is what Ezekiel is talking about too when he talks about the temple in his prophecies. Now, I don't think he has envisioned a, um, a, a, an earthly temple, but he's, he's talking about the people of God. The people are the temple of God now. There is no temple in, in Jerusalem. There hasn't been for over 2,000 years. Uh, the, the second temple that was built when they returned from exile was destroyed by the Romans in A.D. 70 because the Jewish people rebelled against the Roman state. And uh, the Romans said, that's enough, and we're going to come and, and destroy Jerusalem. And um, uh, when Jerusalem was, was destroyed and it was burned, uh, the Romans took their temple and took it apart brick by, by brick because they wanted to melt the gold off of it. And there has not been a Jewish temple or, or the, the, the temple of God in Jerusalem since then, since that time. And right now, what, what, what's there is, is a Muslim mosque called the, the Dome of the Rock, which they built over what they think is the spot where Abraham um, uh, was planning to sacrifice Ishmael uh, on the altar. Now, I didn't say that mistakenly, if you know the story. They believed that, that Ishmael was the son of promise and not Isaac. But the Bible says is the son of promise. It was Isaac who, who was, um, that Abraham told to make a sacrifice to the Lord um, with. And, um, but but you know, God intervened, of course, and stopped the sacrifice and said, Abraham, I know that you're faithful and that your heart belongs to me and that you would not even withhold your own son from me. Uh, God doesn't relish in human sacrifice. It was a test. But the Muslims believe that that was Ishmael instead of Isaac. But anyway, that's, that, that's what's happening right uh, at this time in Jerusalem. And so I, I, I think that what he's talking about here is, is the people of God. He is measuring out, measuring out the temple of God, the people of God for protection. But the outer court, which represents, I think, the world, the nations right now are still trampling the outside of the court. They're, they're trampling the people of God who are on earth. And that, that, that's the image here. That, that this is talking about persecution. And then there's these two witnesses who appear. And it says in verse 4, they're like two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Now there's all kinds of speculation maybe you've heard on, in, in your reading or in Christian programs about who, or you know, wherever, that who these two witnesses are. Um, I'm content to say that ultimately we don't know their identities. But they're called two olive trees and two lampstands. And I believe that has to do with um, the oil of the olive branch, of, of, of the olive, uh, you know, they, they use the oil of the olive to put in their lampstands to light them. 
And the, and, the, and the oil has always been a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's an Old Testament symbol of the priesthood as well. The lampstands, of course, if you'll remember way back when, when we started this series, uh, the first image was, was Christ among the lampstands. And that represented His churches. So what we're seeing here are these two witnesses... They're, they're both anointed with God's Holy Spirit like the Old Testament priesthood. And, 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 and they stand as lampstands like the New Testament church. And I think what you're seeing here is the one people of God being represented in these two witnesses. The, the, the Old Testament children of Israel, the New Testament church of, of Christ. That they're viewed of as one here. And the reason they're two witnesses is that it fulfills the Old Testament law because the Old Testament law said that to have any kind of testimony on any sort of matter, you've got to have two witnesses at least, two or three. In this case, there's two witnesses. And what are these two witnesses doing? They're, they're proclaiming Jesus Christ. And, and, and they're, they're proclaiming the end of the world that, that is coming. And it says that they're clothed in sackcloth as a symbol of, of mourning. And... and, and they're, they're warning people about God's coming judgment and that they need to repent and come to Christ and, and, and put off their evil ways. And, and, and they're prophesying about Jesus Christ day and night in the streets of Jerusalem. And the thing is, you know, Jerusalem you know, was always called the holy city. But it is anything but holy during this, this uh, life, during, this, during the end times, if you'll look at it. It says they, they used to be the holy city, but now it's called Sodom and Egypt, the place, the city where they crucified the Lord. It is anything but the holy city at this time. And these two witnesses will, will stand one day representing the, the, the church of God, proclaiming the message of salvation, even in the midst of such opposition. And anyone who would try to oppose them or come against them, uh, there, there are some pretty clear Old Testament things uh, that, that happened. Remember I told you that um, in, in these end times, the veil between the physical world and the spiritual realm is going to be lifted, and, and, and we're going to see some, the, the, what, what the real spiritual realm looks like here on earth. That, 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 the, the, this hidden uh, spiritual warfare that's going on right now that, that we don't always see. Well now, in, in these last days, what we're going to see in the city of Jerusalem is, is a return of the Old Testament miracles here on earth. Where, you know, if the, those who came up against the prophets and their message, uh, they, they shut up the rain, just like Elijah did uh, for Israel for three and a half years. He shut, for three years, he shut the rain off and, and, and said, you know, it's not going to happen until the Lord is, is ready and, and until Israel repents. And just like um, in, in those days, you know, Elijah called down fire from heaven. The fire here burns up the enemies of God, those who would try to come up against them and silence them. There, there are plagues uh, that they call down, which is just what Moses did. He turned water into blood. I should say God did, but he did it through Moses and his, and his rod. And, and call down plagues on, on the wicked people of the earth who would try to come up against them. 
And it says that they're able to do this for 1,260 days, or the other way of saying that is three and a half years. And those are the only uh, timetables that were given in the book of Revelation is the number three and a half. Um, so that's, that's interesting to me. We always talk about seven years. I'm not sure um, where the number seven, uh, seven years of tribulation comes in to this because it doesn't say that here. It just says three and a half years. But anyway, I don't, I don't want to get into some of those debates necessarily. But I do want to say this, that while they were prophesying before the Lord, God protected them even in, in, in the midst of, of, of their attacks because God was not done with them. He had a purpose for them during that period. And, and then when their time of prophesying um, ended, it says that the beast that rises from the pit makes war against them and kills them. And kills them. Now this is the first place where we hear about, about this beast and we'll talk more about him in, in subsequent chapters. But he comes out, makes war against them in other words, he's not, he's not just attacking these two witnesses. He's attacking the saints, the church of God. He comes and makes war against them and is able to kill them. He conquers them. He, 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 he destroys their lives. That, that they're, they're killed. They're, they're martyred. And, and it looks like that, that he has, that, that this beast that rises from the pit has won. And so what happens? The whole earth celebrates. Yippee! It's, it's like Christmas. Let's, let's give presents to each other. The, the, these two witnesses that represent the church of God has been defeated. They're, they're, they're dead. They're gone. They, they, they can't do anything else to us anymore. And, and uh, I think this is where the worship of the beast comes in and all this too. They, they worship him. We haven't, it doesn't say that here, but we'll talk about that in the following chapters. He says, we're, we're, we're going to praise him and worship him. We're going to celebrate in the streets because these two witnesses that representing God's church have been killed. And, and they, they didn't even give them a burial, it says here. They, they let them rot in the streets for three days, so to speak. And I say three days because guess what? <laughs> Actually it says three and a half days here. God sends the breath of life into them. They are resurrected before the eyes of the whole world and taken up to glory in a cloud. And it says here for the first time when the world sees the resurrection of these saints... Uh, of those who have been killed and they're taken up into heaven before them um, the, these two witnesses there are many of the earth dwellers who fall down in fear and they give glory and, and praise to the God of heaven this is the first time in, in the book of Revelation that we see some actual repentance among the people who dwell on the earth because of what's happened. Because, because of seeing them uh, be killed and then, then these two witnesses are, are revived before their very eyes. Now, some people say this is when the rapture happens. I, I, I don't think so yet because it, it's just talking about the two witnesses representing the church who are resurrected. But I think it's, I think it's meant to be an image of, of, of um, 
But what's coming to them, <clears throat> here is the real power of God. And I think it, it, it speaks to Christianity too. Because of, of all the miracles that Jesus is reported as doing, the, the greatest miracle of all is the fact that He rose from the dead, that the tomb is empty today, and that He um, reigns in heaven on high. It was the resurrection that turned the apostles around from, from, from being scared and, and hiding in, in, uh, in houses. If it hadn't been for the resurrection, there would be no Christianity today. The, the disciples would have gone their own way, back to their own jobs, defeated, dejected, wondering if, if Jesus was even the Messiah that He said He was. The resurrection is, is the, the uh, place that Christianity stands. And if you deny the resurrection, th then, then you can't even really call yourself a Christian, and not, not in the true sense. And the promise of the resurrection is that there's going to be a resurrection for, for all believers. Now, what, what does that mean in, 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 the, in the midst of all this? It means that in spite of them being martyred, in spite of them standing for Christ and suffering for it, instead of them be, being tortured and or, and or killed, that th none of those things were the end of them. There's a resurrection waiting for those who remain faithful to Christ even though we suffer and even though we might be killed for our testimony of Jesus Christ, in the end, we win. <laughs> now, nobody likes to suffer. Nobody likes to get hurt. Nobody likes to, to, to die. No, no, nobody wants to go through the, these kinds of terrible things that the book of Revelation talks about. But you know what? Really and truly, a lot of people are going through these things right now. And to a certain degree, even here in our own country, but, but definitely in other countries, there are people right now suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. The Ukrainian government has, has you know, as, as an example, has, has been looked upon as, as being corrupt. And maybe it was in a lot of ways they're trying to end that corruption. But the nation of, of Ukraine and its people... Um, have, have been the number one missionary sending nation to those Eastern European countries. It has become the, the center of missionary activity in, in Eastern Europe. And now here, here we are, the, the, the great uh, Russia, uh, the, the powerful nation, uh, is coming up against them. And I can't help but wonder, you know, I... I you know, I, I don't want to take sides in, in, in a conflict like this. War is war, and it's terrible. But I believe that, that God's going to help the Russian people. I do. I mean, the, the um, uh, Ukrainian people, excuse me. I believe God's going to help them. And he's going to bless them. Uh, Russia has, has been increasingly closing its doors to Christianity because of, of, of who's in charge there. But, but in... Um, but, but in Ukraine, you know, they, they, they've been a very openly Christian country. And uh, I, I think God's going to help them through that. And we've we got to trust in that.
But even here, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, yes, there may be persecution. Yes, there may be suffering. Yes, there, we, may, may, we may even be called to, to give our lives for, the, for speaking out for Jesus Christ. Death is not the end for the believer. There's a resurrection coming for us. And an eternal life of bliss in God. The only way that we lose that is if we turn away and go our own way and, and, and reject Christ. And so I think we're going to be called upon uh, in the coming days, but especially here at the, at the, at the end that, that this... Uh, book of Revelation is telling us about, we have been forewarned, so to speak, that there is going to be suffering, there is going to be persecution because of our testimony for Jesus Christ. But even more so, there is the promise of a glorious resurrection for us if we hold on to Jesus Christ in faith and not let go of Him. In spite of um, what evil may come up against us, in spite of um, what, what, what could happen to us. There is a great reward in Jesus Christ for those who remain faithful. And we have a witness for Jesus Christ that we could be proclaiming right now. Whether it's in our workplace, where we, we, we proclaim that Jesus Christ loves you and He suffered and died for you so that you could be free from your sins, have the promise of a resurrection, and escape the judgment that's to come. If you but give your life to Jesus Christ, renouncing your sin, asking Him to help you overcome that sin. And the promise of Scripture is He will do it. If we confess our sins, John says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If there's the condition we confess our sins, then He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in that moment, our soul is protected. And even though we may suffer for the cause of Christ, even though we may share in His sufferings that He had here on earth when He was persecuted and killed, even though we may share in His sufferings, our sufferings in this present age, Paul says, are not worth comparing to the glory that awaits us. And so we have an opportunity to be a witness now wherever we are in our workplace. You know, kids in school have an opportunity to be a witness for Jesus Christ. To tell others about their faith and how God has helped them in certain situations. To tell them about Jesus and His love, His willingness to forgive. And again, all this that's happening here is... Is, is so that the lost will come to Jesus. And the result of the, these two witnesses who represent the church is that you know, their resurrection leads to people on the earth to give glory to God. And that's what God wants in all this. He, he, he's allowing this time period to happen so that it's the final push, so to speak, before God says, all right, this is it. Here comes the reward for those who, who are righteous and love me. Here comes the judgment for those who have rejected me. This is God's last, last push before the people of the earth to bring them in.
to the kingdom. But I think we need that, that, own, that, that sense of, of desperation, that sense of push in our own selves even now. We, we don't know when that day is coming. We, we don't know the day of the Lord's coming. We, we don't know when these events are going to come to pass. I think we'll, we'll know, and I think we'll recognize them when they happen, but we don't know when that's going to happen. But what we can do right now is, is be a witness to other people in, in, our, in our circles of influence, to be a witness for Jesus Christ, for His love, for His forgiveness. And we need to ask Him to help us to, be, to remain faithful witnesses just like these two witnesses mentioned here in Revelation. What we need also is the spiritual strength, and that's why we have communion here. I'm going to ask Michael if he'll come.